Hey everybody, this is Ernie Johnson, and welcome to EJ's Game Plan. It's your guide to working in sports media. Today we'll be talking to Matt Lipp, a Turner Sports Remote Production Director. All right, it's two o'clock. My name is Matt Lipp, and I direct sports for Turner Sports. I do uh, MLB on TBS and the NBA on TNT. It is probably my dream job because I didn't know what else I could do when I was getting started in my life. And I believe most of the people on here are in college and graduating college and in high school or just going to college and they want to learn about this business. Uh, the business of sports television. But before we kind of get into that, <clears throat> I just want to say a couple words about uh, Ernie Johnson, who kind of put this whole thing together uh, during this time. He is, uh, he is one of the greatest individuals you will ever have the privilege of meeting. He is a genuinely nice man and cares about this world and this country and individual people. And I couldn't be more privileged and proud to be part of something that he's doing. So even though he may not be on, I just want to thank Ernie for this opportunity and just to relay what a great man he is. Uh, probably the kindest man I've ever met in my life. Um, so I have nothing but positive things to say about EJ. And the job he does at TNT and, and on baseball is phenomenal. He was built for that position that he's in hosting the NBA on TNT and doing play-by-play for our baseball coverage. So he kind of gave me a little tutorial about how to kind of get going with this whole thing. And he just said to kind of explain how I got into all this. And and basically, I was a lot like you all. I was going to school. I had really not, I didn't really have an idea of what I wanted to do. Um, I was working as a waiter, as a bartender. Um, I really had no clue as to what I wanted to do with my life. And one thing that I always loved was sports. Uh, And one day, uh, I got a job working for a company called Sports Ticker in uh, Jersey City, New Jersey. They were the first first real-time sports scores. So imagine you're sitting in Vegas and now you see all those tickers with all the scores. They were the first company to put out the scores. So I would sit in an office and with 10 other guys and we'd all have phones around us. This is back in the 90s. And every half inning during a baseball game, somebody from the media relations department would call in and they'd say, you know, the Mets didn't score in the top of the first. Uh, no runs, no hits, no errors. And I would just put that out over the, over the, uh, over the ticker. So that's kind of how I started my life in the real world, so to speak. One of my buddies at that, at that um, company, Sports Ticker, he left and he got a job at Sports Channel Florida. He called me up out of the blue one day and said, hey, I got this job that I think you might really like. It's a pretty cool thing. Come check it out. So me being kind of open to almost anything, I went and checked it out. I liked it. And he introduced me to a guy named Steve Liverani, 
who actually hired me to run the master control department of Sports Channel Florida. So what that entails is the other end of what I do now, it's the running of the commercials. It's rolling in the commercials and letting the site, the truck, know when they're back and ready to start broadcasting. So during this time, I would have a headset on listening to what was going on in the TV truck, and I just thought it was the coolest thing. I would hear the directors and the producers. I would hear everybody, you know, ready one, take one, go to X, go to Y. It fascinated me to no end on that headset. And while I was still rolling the commercials, I knew that that's not what I wanted to do. I wanted to get into the other side. I wanted to see what was going on in the trucks. So I ended up working for Sports Channel uh, Florida, and their master control center was in New York. And I knew I didn't want to stay in New York. I was, I was, I was kind of done with New York, and I was ready to leave. And I called Sports Channel, uh, California, Sports Channel LA and asked them if I could, if I moved out there, would they put me to work? They said, you come on out, we'll put you to work. I was out in California two weeks later. I had a job. I moved out in March. The sad part was Sports Channel LA went out of business that December. What was I going to do? The cool thing was I was able to still listen on the headsets and made some relationships with people in the truck. And when Sports Channel LA finally went out of business, or went out of business in uh, March, December 1992, I had already made some relationships. And that's something that's important for you guys to understand, that it's, it's a lot about relationships and who you know. It's not how great you are, or it's certainly helpful, but it's relationships in any business, not just this one, but in any business, relationships are a very important part of how you can advance and how you can how you can succeed. So I made these relationships. I went out to the TV, I went out to the trucks and I just kind of started hanging around there and hanging around. And finally a producer, a guy named Jim Zrake, uh, he said to me, Hey, I got this package next fall. Would you like to be part of it as a graphics coordinator? So for you guys who don't know the graphics coordinator, they generate all the graphics that you see on the screen and that was something that I relished. I love numbers. I'm a numbers guy. So it was great for me to be part of that. I started out in college hoops, did baseball with them, did all kinds of things. The thing for you guys to understand is that it's not you don't start directing day one. It's all about learning the business from the ground up, any business. And this business is no different. So it was really good for me to start as a graphics coordinator because then I could see all the different parts in the truck. I could see what the associate director does. I could see what the technical director does. I could see what producers do. Um, the bug guys. All that stuff all started when I was coming up in this business. So it was, it's a pretty neat, it was pretty neat for me to start that way. Uh, it was very, as a sports guy, you just love being, you're going to a game and you're getting paid. So it's really cool. The thing that I had to decide was, did I want to be a producer or director? Because I knew I, lo I loved being in the trucks. I knew it, and I loved it, and I still love it to this day. What Ernie might not even know is I was I, – I, I started as a graphics coordinator. I went to as an associate, direct, uh, associate director, then an ISO producer, and then I started producing events for a long time. I was a producer before I was a director. And what that allowed me to do – it made me a better director because I understood exactly what the producer 
wanted because I was with a producer for a long time and I knew what I wanted out of my directors and I think being in all parts of the truck was a great learning experience and a great way to get to get where I am today. So moving from the producer chair to the director chair is not an easy one and, and I don't think a lot of people have done it and I feel very proud of myself and very fortunate that I've been able to make that move. And I still remember the, um, the first time I got a call to direct a show. Uh, a friend of mine was directing the uh, LA Angels and she called me up or she was producing the LA Angels and she called me in, in February and said, hey, I'd really like you to be our director. I know you've never directed, but I know you. I know you're a smart guy. You're going to figure it out. And to this day, I owe her. Um, I owe her. She got me into the director's chair. Her name is Dawn Diagostino. She is the, currently the producer for the Baltimore Orioles. And uh, to this day, I will never, I can't repay her or thank her enough getting me into the director's chair. And there's a really kind of funny story that goes along with the directing baseball. So I started doing the LA Angels was my very first game. And I remember we were sitting in the truck and we pre-recorded our opening segment. So pre-recording means you tape it and then you play it back like it's live. And I remember thinking, wow, that went really well. That went really well. Time comes, we roll the opening segment back. Everything's great. We go to commercial. We come back. And the associate director goes, three, two, one, you're on the air. And all I remember was I was looking at the screen. I was looking at the program monitor thinking, how come, how come there's no shots are changing? Because I was so used to producing. I wasn't used to the directing and calling the cameras. I just sat there for about 30 seconds and thought, why is there no changing in the shots? And then I realized that I was the one supposed to be doing that. So that was kind of an amusing way to start my directing career. Not as smoothly as I had hoped, but still a pretty good, a pretty good start. Uh, it was the Yankees and Angels. I'll always, always remember that. Alex Rodriguez hit two homers that day, and he almost hit a third, but somebody caught it, the center fielder caught it at the wall. So I don't really... Aside from that memories, those two memories, I don't really remember much about that first day. But it's really interesting to me to see how this business has evolved. There are so many new technologies out there and available. But basically, the director is responsible for all the camera cuts that you see on the air. And I'm sure you guys all hopefully understand that. I'm sure you do. But anytime the pictures change, that is the director deciding what camera angle that everybody at home should see. The thing that gets me most about what I do is that there is no there's no editing in tape. Once the moment happens, it's gone forever. And for me, the thing that I love about it is the rush of doing a live game. You can never ever get back something. If you miss something, you missed it. You can go back and get it on tape, but you can't see it for the very first time ever again. So to me, the, 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 way, the way that this whole business has evolved is phenomenal. There are so many cameras, so many angles, and you have to understand what's important. So to me, the thing that I try to remember about directing sports is that I want to serve the viewer. I want to serve the fan. I don't want to miss anything. So I've learned over my career 
to be a little more safe rather than try to be sexy if that makes any any sense to you. Um, you know, you're getting a sexy cutaway of a guy reacting, but maybe the ball's being thrown up court and maybe you miss a hoop. So my 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 attitude is less risk, more reward in that respect. And I think that's something that if you guys can take away from that, if you guys want to direct or produce less risk, maximize your reward. Um, so for me, it's really cool to do what I do. Um, the, the interesting thing for me is how we've evolved in, in the business. I started out directing the Angels and the Clippers for Fox Sports West. Then I left there and I worked at ESPN. I directed college football, Major League Baseball, Basque College Hoops. I started on their NBA product. And the relationships, I'm going to keep coming back to that. It's the relationships that you make along the way that will enhance the abilities that you have to move places. And again, I feel very fortunate that I've been able to do many of the things that I've wanted to do in my career. And one of the main reasons I'm at Turner Sports is because I wanted to do big events in the postseason. And that's something that Turner has allowed me to do. The the rush from doing a, a baseball game in August is still a rush, but it's not the same rush as doing a um, you know, a National League championship game or, or a wild card game or a divisional series. It's the same rush, but at a greater level. And Turner Sports allowed me to do this, hopefully for the next 15 years. Um, so we'll see, we'll see about that. But it's been a, a fantastic ride. And the thing that we do differently than a lot of networks is that we have production meetings the day of the game and it's a great it's a great opportunity to sit with your announcers all your people and figure out the important stories of the day and to try to how are we going to relay those stories to the public and it's a fa fantastic time just to sit there I wish we could I wish we could broadcast our breakfast meetings because I guarantee you you would get more out of that than you are going to be from hearing from me. It's 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 really a fun thing. We've toyed with the idea of putting those breakfast meetings on somehow, but it's really the the announcers, the, you know, the Chris Webbers, the Reggie Millers, they are so smart and so insightful. I learn something every breakfast meeting about whatever sport it is. Ron Darling, Jeff Francoeur, uh, any of those guys, they I think I know sports pretty well. Those guys know their sports inside and out, and it's amazing to me that I'm able to sit with these guys and have breakfast with them and learn from them and then get my ideas across. So it's a, it's a really kind of a neat package that we do at Turner. It's really kind of a cool thing. Um, the the uh, way we break it down is we, we talk about the storylines at breakfast, then the producer and I will talk after breakfast and we'll decide how we want to go about attacking those stories and presenting them to the to the viewing audience. So it's a neat neat thing. Sometimes we'll take cameras and we'll isolate players so we can show you what they're doing off the ball or with the ball. All of this stuff goes into preparation and our, our preparation goes in throughout goes on throughout the day and we continue throughout our game. I'm very fortunate to have unbelievable cameramen 
who work with me, who make my job so much easier. They are storytellers, and that's what we are, in essence, doing. We're telling stories. We're telling the stories on the basketball court, on the baseball field. That's what we're doing. We're telling stories. We're storytellers. And when you think about it, in reality, the first reality television was sports. You didn't know what was going to happen. You had to watch and stay to stay to find out. So it was pretty cool. And be able to have these talented cameramen with me, who I don't necessarily need to direct, because they know what I want. So my day begins, sorry, I'm kind of jumping all over the place. My day begins with breakfast, have the meeting, we go to the truck, I have a camera meeting with my camera guys to tell them what exactly I'm looking for from them today, in, in whatever special, whatever game it is, and then they have great react instincts and reactions. So I know camera one is the, is the camera that's going to follow the action back and forth. Every camera has an assignment. It's pretty simple. It's pretty simple. Camera one does the game. This is basketball. Camera one does the game action. Camera two is a tighter, tighter following of the ball. Camera three and camera four, they're the handheld cameras under the basket. Camera five and camera seven are our two slash cameras at angles. Camera six is our center court handheld. Camera eight and camera nine are our above the rims. And those are, that's our basic complement, which is pretty good. It's nine cameras. Then we add on for bigger games. There's, there's, you can add on for bigger games, and it's, pretty, it's a pretty neat thing. Um, if, if you guys have questions, please feel free to drop them in there. Because I, 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 could, I, guess I could talk for an hour, but I'd like to hopefully answer some of your questions if you have them. Um, what would I suggest for someone who is looking to improve on their skills without sports going on? That's a great question, Zach. Um, look, uh, what, uh, I guess I should ask you what kind of skills. Uh, as a director, as a cameraman, as w what exactly are you looking for? But if, if it's as a director, something you could easily do is watch an old game and kind of map out your cameras how you would have them and then see if you and then call the game in your mind as you watch the game on TV where are you doing what what was broadcast so that's something you could do you could do a 20 minute stretches half hour stretches whatever you like but i think that's a that's a pretty a pretty good way to go about working on your skills play by play stuff again uh Zach, play by play stuff you know what i used to do this as a kid I used to watch the Mets turn the volume down. I had a tape recorder. You had to push the buttons, and I would be the play-by-play -play guy. So that's something that you can do. You can find all these old games. You can watch them, and you could be your play-by-play -play guy. You, you could do it and listen, record it, listen to it. And as a play-by-play -play person, you know Ernie Johnson. Ernie Johnson, he's great. The play-by-play -play guy should be your point guard. He should be setting up the analyst with with questions. And that Ernie does a great job of it. Brian Anderson, one of our baseball guys and basketball guys, fantastic. One of the best I've ever seen and ever worked with was a guy named Dave O'Brien. Is a guy named Dave O'Brien. He, uh, I worked with him at ESPN for a very, very long time, and he's phenomenal. You just go back and watch one of his game, old games, and that's the guy you should model. If you're gonna follow somebody, I think he's great. Ernie Johnson, great. They weave stories in and out the whole time. 
and they without missing a beat of the action. So I think that's a really that's a really good guy to watch, Dave O'Brien. Everybody's going to have personal favorites and people they think are better or worse. You just have to find your particular style. And I think a great guy to watch would be Dave O'Brien. Um, somebody else just said something. Why do you believe production crew members are underappreciated at times? You know what? It's, I, I think they are underappreciated at times. Um, probably because I'm assuming you're talking about A2s, audio guys, video guys. They have so much stuff to do. And when it goes right, nothing's wrong. But when things happen, audio bad mix or video doesn't match, the colors are wrong, that's when they get noticed and that's when things happen for them. Underappreciated, maybe they're not above the in the radar so much, but I, get, I can promise you all that the um, Turner brand respects and appreciates everybody equally, whether you're a producer, executive producer, director, Everybody has is treated the way they should be treated. Clearly, there are times when we could all do better with everything in our life. But I think for the most part, Turner does a pretty good job of taking care of people and, and appreciating them for what they do. All good questions. All good questions. Any more? Please. Um, I'm just trying to think of some things that go on throughout the day that I can relay to you. The... The way everything comes together, I kind of call it controlled chaos. And I've, I've got some video clips that I, I'm going to try to play. I'm not sure that the sound is the greatest, but I'm going to try to play them. And you'll see what I mean by controlled chaos. There are so many people trying to be heard in the truck at the same time. The graphics guys are telling you that the graphics are good. The associate director is counting you to break. He's counting you back to break. The... Um, Producers telling you what replay to go to. You got a headset on. You're listening to 12 voices in your head. It really is a controlled chaos. And the the thing that this job is done, if you can be a communicator and you can communicate succinctly and directly, that's going to make your directing skills or your producing skills or your AD skills that much better. Um, what is one piece of advice a communications professor has given to you, to me, that has stuck with me? That's a good question. Um, the best advice I ever had is never get too down and never get too up. So what I mean by that is we all want to be, I want to be perfect in what I do. And it's nearly impossible to be perfect in a broadcast. It's, it's, there's so many moving pieces. So for instance, I never want to miss anything live. If I do, I, I, I don't feel good. I don't like it. It makes me feel bad. And I really, it, I come down. I come down. And luckily, I have a great technical director that I work with. He'll just give me a little nudge. And he'll say, hey, come on, let's go. Or you're off mic a little bit. You're mumbling. And so I know when he does that, then I have to, I have to step it up. Because once you miss that moment, you don't want to miss any more. And if you get too super excited for something, and I'll give you a great example. I'm a huge Mets fan, and the first ever, well, the first ever divisional, national, the first ever championship series I ever did was Mets and Cubs. So the Mets swept the Cubs. It was great. I'm still fired up about that 2015. But I'm going to go back. 
the first playoff baseball I ever did, divisional series, Mets-Dodgers. And I'm all jacked up because I'm a Met fan, and it's a great thing. And Daniel Murphy hits a home run. And I remember, I remember getting up going, oh, my God, go, go, go. And I just kind of lost it. I was a fan in the moment. I was ex- exceedingly happy. Ryan, what was the moment? That was the moment. The uh, I was so happy that I was just kind of lost in the moment. So you don't ever want to get too excited or too high where you want to where you could lose focus. Um, so that's something that I try to be even keel about the whole whole way through a broadcast. If you can kind of maintain that, then I think you're doing a good job. What's up, Bardo? Uh, hi Tyler. I said hi to Tyler before. When someone when watching someone who's real in your experience as a producer director, what do you look for? Uh, I look for I look for, uh, in fact, something that I pride myself on, I'm going to get back to your question in one second, is I like, I never had anybody help me to get where I am. I feel like I did this all on my own and, and my resume and speaks for itself. I didn't have a, a silver spoon or a golden spoon dragging me along. So I think all that I've accomplished, I've accompl- I feel like all I've accomplished was on my own. I've had a couple people help me. I mentioned Jim Zrake, um, Michael Ireland, the director uh, from, for ESPN. Learned a lot from him, and I've been very fortunate to work with some of the greats in the directing community. Billy Webb, who sadly passed away, uh, learned an incredible amount from him. Uh, Doug Freeman, um, the, the, the names go. The names go on, but to me, something that I'll look, I'll, I try to take along that path is I try to help people, whether they want to be a cameraman or a, a producer or an associate director, whatever it is. So something that I've done is I've people have gotten in contact with me because they see what I do and they send me a reel. So there's two guys that I've kind of um, helped out this year, a guy named Corey Alberti and a guy named Torian Pippins. Um, Corey was persistent, persistent, persistent in, 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 in reaching out to me. And I respected him for doing it. He didn't overwhelm me. He kept sending me his reel and updating his reel. And the things that I look for in that reel, I know is a long-winded way to get to your answer, but I want to make sure that the framing that they're doing, the framing is right. They're not slid off to a side. I want to make sure they're following the plays properly. And I understand that they're only going to send me their best, right? Because it's their reel. It's their, it's their Emmy Award reel for them. So I, I spoke with them. Corey several times. I, I gave him some suggestions on things to look for. I told him how to maybe improve his reel a little bit. And I've actually got to meet him and I actually hired him to work with me on a game here in Atlanta. And he did a very nice job. And I could tell from his reel that he knew what he was doing. He just needed a little guidance. And I was happy to provide it and I'm happy to provide anything I can do to help people in this business. Um, so that's Again, hopefully that answered your question. So I look for framing, I look for the storytelling, and I look for just making sure that they're where they're supposed to be in that position. Most difficult job during a broadcast. Director. You know, they're all they're all I think the director has a lot of a lot of responsibility. It's his show or her show. What goes out over the air is the responsibility of the director. If the producer is telling you to go to a replay and the ball 
is going up the court or there's a pitch coming, you can't go to the replay. So it's really incumbent upon the director to make sure that they are ready for everything that's coming their way to, to, to put on the air. Um, so to answer your question, I, th I really do believe that the director has the most difficult job uh, in the truck because once the moment's gone, it's gone. We talked about that a little bit ago. But to me, the producers talk to talent. They tell them when the promo, when promos are coming, when to read a promo or what replays are coming. They're all kind of scripted. They kind of get it. But the director, that's the main guy. That's the main man during a live show. It's the producer's responsibility to script the show or to kind of guide the show, but it's the director's responsibility to get that message and that story across. So I hope that answers your question a little bit. I believe it's the director. Um, what advice would you give up upcoming directors on how to deal with difficult talent? That's a good one. That is, uh, let's see. Uh, that's a good one. I got to be careful on this one. Uh, I, I think... The most important thing, look, you, you can like people, you can dislike people. It's not, you don't have to be best buddies with your talent. It helps, but you don't have to be. What you have to have is respect for them as a broadcaster, and they have to have the respect for you in your as a director or a producer. Um, look, in, in all honesty, the producer should be the one dealing most with the talent. The director is the one who can say, hey, you chime in and you say, Joel Embiid coming off this replay. So he the, the, the announcer knows where you're going, and hopefully that meshes with what they're thinking. And generally, you know, 90, 95, 96, 97% of the time, it generally does because you're, you're all telling the same story and you're all, you all know what replays are coming. So the director shouldn't have to deal too much with hard with talent that doesn't exactly jive with how they're feeling. You know, I would just say sometimes, you ha and I've done it, you have to eat You have to eat a little crow at times. You have to let the announcers feel like they are important. They are important, but you have to kind of make them feel important. They all have egos. They all want to be great. We all want to be great. But a lot of times it's going to be dependent upon the announcer and how you perceive them and how they perceive you. I don't think I've ever had a bad time with an announcer. Um, look, occasionally, look, all guys are not... The same, all, all announcers are not the same. And you just have to fit, you You have to fit in, you have to figure, it's like making a friend. It's like making a friend. You have to figure out how to be friends with them for at least those two and a half, three hours that you're on the air and having breakfast and maybe a cocktail after. Um, the important thing is if they think that they're listen, that you're listening to them as they weave their broadcast, that's going to go miles. So if they believe you're listening to them, that is a great great step. So I would say listen to them and just kind of help them. And one one thing that I do in my camera meetings, and we have camera meetings every game, no matter what, is I will tell the uh, camera guys, if you're listening to the announcers, they are going to tell you where you should be. They're going to tell you the stories that are going on throughout the game. And when the dead ball happens or a foul ball happens, you know where they're what they're talking about and you know what to shoot as a cameraman, and the director can also help by directing. Hey, they were talking about they were talking about Steph Curry. Go find Steph Curry. It's pretty simple. So again, if you can be friends with them and 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 make them think that you're listening to them, and you are, you should be listening to them as a director. And that's the hardest thing. You have so many voices in your ear, 
and then you have a big speaker above you that's got the game, it's, it's a lot to take in. And over time, you will get better and better and better at that with all the reps that you have. Um, what else can I tell you guys? Uh, got about a half an hour left, which is cool. Um, I got a video that what I do every game is I record how do you not let your ego and pride get the best of you when directing. It's hard. It's a, it's very hard. Um, I look at it as there's no one right way to do anything. And all I want to do as a director is I want to follow the announcers and I want to support what they're saying. And that's my goal as a director. If they're talking about Joel Embiid and I'm showing you know Ben Simmons, something's wrong, right? So we want to be simpatico and, and that's kind of the way that's kind of the way to do it. I think if you have an ego, it's great, but you got to kind of put it to the side for what you're for what for the betterment of the broadcast and for the betterment of your career. So that's that's my advice is just kind of you got to kind of put it down. You got to look, it's great to think you're the best ever because that's what you should think. You should think you're great at what you do. And that I don't know, I kind of got lost train of thought there, but you should think you're very good at what you do. And even though you think you are, you have to realize everybody else is thinking the same way. So you have to really kind of be, um, you also have to kind of be respectful of what they want. And, and I'm very lucky. I work with great announcers. I've, I've, had, I've been very fortunate to work with what I think are really good announcers in my career uh, and crew. Um, I've had phenomenal crew and announcers. So it's really, it's really a neat thing for me to see all this. And I love the questions and thank you for, for doing it. I, I really do appreciate it. Um, so again, I was saying I have some video. What I do every uh, game is I record my talking, my, 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 my chatter, uh, and I record that along with the program video, what everybody's seen. And I thought it's pretty interesting to me and I, and I hope you guys find it interesting as well. Um, so I'm going to try to cue one of those up and show it to you. If it works, great. But if it doesn't, I apologize and we'll come right back. Um, the, the, first, the first one here is uh, from, uh, let's see, how do I turn this around? That's the way. It's Braves, Braves and uh, Cardinals playoffs from last year. And I hope this works. So I'll try it as high as I can go. I hope you can hear. All right, that was uh, one of them. I hope that that worked for everybody. Could you hear? I, I don't. I don't know. It's very low. I'm sorry about that. I, I'm not sure why, but I hope you guys could hear that. So you could hear everything. My inflections. Uh, I get excited. I'm a fan in the truck. I love the game of baseball, so I get excited when things happen. Uh, my inflections rise when runs scores or a great play is made. It, it's really a neat thing. And one thing I will say for uh, directors. It's very important. It's very important to say the same things over and over again in the same way. Ready one, take one. Ready three, take three. Ready effect to five, effect to five. Key font one. So if you can keep the same verbiage, if you can keep the same verbiage, that's going to help your technical director, who's the guy sitting next to you, actually punching the buttons to make what you to make what you want to appear on the screen actually appear on the screen. Um, I have one other one. I, 
<laughs> Sorry about that, AJ. <laughs> Sorry. I know. Sorry. I might have one more that you might want to kind of tune out for. But uh, this is this is something that I thought was a really – we did this really well. Um, and I'm sorry the volume's low. I tried to figure out how to get it higher, but I'm going to maybe put this – I want you to see the video with the also listening. So I'm going to do one more. This is another Braves-Cardinals one. Sorry, AJ. But uh, this is a cool one. Uh, it has lots of things going on. So I hope you like this one too, and then we can do some more stuff at the after this. But again – the verbiage is very important. That's something that Michael Ireland taught me. He said, if you can keep your same, the way you the way you call things the same, you're not going to make anybody guess. They're going to know what you want. And, I, and it took me a little while to figure that out and, and learn it, but I did, and I think that was very, very helpful. So here's the second one, which is pretty cool, I think, too. And I will flip that around. One more. So this, again, Braves, Cardinals. I hope I hope that was a good. I like that one too because there was a lot going on in that one. And you'll you remember I said, hey, if you can call things the same, call them the same. But you you heard I got a little confused. I said a fi- I wanted to do something. I'm going to pink or the two box, and I and I said it a little funny, but the TD knew. But again, being clear and precise during the whole thing is is very important. Um, the other thing you'll notice we were in that three box. Right, the, the three boxes, and then you heard me ask the technical director, "Hey, you can't set up a two box here, because he's he's all tied up." And what I tell my technical directors, which I think is a very important lesson to learn, also for aspiring directors, is have a relationship with your technical director. It's really important. Um, if you got if you're sitting next to a guy who you maybe button little heads with, it's not going to be the greatest. The technical director will save your butt more than you would think. And having a technical director who's on your side and, and is buddy or friendly is, is huge. It's huge. So do what you can to cultivate that relationship as well. Um, so what I was saying about the talking to the TD, I asked him, hey, you can't come out. Come, we're in a three box. I wanted him to come to a two box. I didn't think he could do it, but I asked him if he could. And what I tell my technical directors all the time is I'm going to ask you, and if you can't do it, I'd rather you say no, I can't do it, because then I can make a decision. But if he tells me, yes, he can do it or she can do it, and they can't, then they're not going to get the phone call about why something was messed up. I'm going to get the phone call. So I really have a, a great respect for the technical director. And I really feel like, I feel like I feel like they should be paid a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of money. Because they are really the last line of defense. I'm saying ready to take two. They're pushing the buttons to take the cameras. But I don't know how to run the switcher. I mean, I can get by, but I can't run the switcher. So having a great technical director is super important to what we do. The The other thing that you might under, want to understand a little bit is when you're sitting in a truck doing a game, you're looking at hundreds of monitors you know where your cameras are you're looking at the tape monitors because you want to make the tape machines make sure the tape machines are in the right spot before you go to the replay they're not rewinding so you don't go to a rewind on air there are hundreds of monitors in in the tv truck and something for you to consider when you do start directing is laying out your monitor wall the same way 
every time you sit down. Do it for a year, six months, whatever you want to do, and then you're going to figure out the little changes that you can make to make your job easier to see the monitors that you think are more important, more prevalent in your field of view. So relationship with a technical director, very important. Monitor wall, super important. And then you just build. You just keep building off the monitor walls. As your shows get bigger, your monitor wall expands. For baseball, for Turner Sports, we use uh, eight cameras. And in, the, and in the playoffs, we're up to 30. So how do you keep all of that in your frame of field of vision? There's nobody back there helping me saying, oh, look at camera 25, look at camera 72. There's nobody helping me. Occasionally, I'll get, a, I'll get some help. Or if I ask for some help, I'll ask the associate director, hey, keep an eye on camera 24. Let me know if something good's happening because I know there could be something good coming, but there's also not the immediacy of it, but I want to know about it. So that would be a cool job too, like being a director spotter. That would be cool. Um, maybe I'll, I'll bring that up to my boss. I need a director spotter in the playoffs. That would be cool. Um, how was that second audio? Was that any better for you guys or about the same? I'm hoping you guys could hear it because I thought there was a lot of neat stuff going on in those in those two examples I showed you. I guess we've got about 15 minutes left or so. I'm trying to think of great things that I can impart to you guys. If you have any more questions, please keep firing them away. I like that. Uh, it helps me. Um, one of the things that I find to be very helpful when I start a day is about the same. All right, good. I'm glad you could hear it. Thank you, AJ. Sorry about your Braves again. I like to walk the arena or walk the field. I enjoy getting out of the truck to go see what's going on. Now, we all know we all know that base, uh, basketball, hockey, football, they're all played this way, back and forth, back and forth. But I like to walk the fields anyway. I like to see things from a unique pers perspective, and I really try to take a half an hour out of my day to do that. Um, baseball, same thing. My favorite sport... And I love it because there's so much going on on any particular play. You have runners, you have fielders, you have hitters, you have pitchers. I love that sport, and I just love the way the game – I think it's a beautiful game to watch, a beautiful game to play, and I hopefully I get that across to people who watch my games because I love it. I like having fun. I like showing the little kids in the stands having a great time in August, July, you know, October baseball may be a little different. You, know, you want to look for the people praying. You want to look for the great reactions because every pitch is meaningful. But I like walking. Sorry, I kind of digressed there. But I like walking the stadiums because I can see. <coughs> excuse me. I can see different things if I get out onto the field rather than just from sitting in the TV truck having my camera guys kind of just pan around. I like getting out there. I like being a part of of seeing things, and I and I like. Um, I, I just like being out there and seeing things that I might not see from the truck. Um, you mentioned earlier, but what was the struggle like when you were an entry-level candidate? It's the same struggle that's facing everybody today. Everybody wants to produce or direct. So you have to have, you have to show something to somebody. Uh, and going back to, uh, Corey Alberti, the cameraman, who sent me his reel and I worked with him a little bit and I got him out on a game in Atlanta. And I, I thought he did a really good job, but he, he needed to have a little bit of more direction in, for me to help. So the challenge is 
getting somebody to notice you and, and, and letting them know and letting them know what you want to do and how you and what position you want to play. Late to the party. Uh, how many other product I've done every job in the truck. Um, I've done every job in the truck. Some uh, ask me what other production jobs have I done. I, I've been a runner. I can say I did that one time in my life. It was a college, a high school football game in California. Uh, I was a graphics coordinator for many, 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 many years. Um, then I was an associate director, ISO producer. Then I produced for a long time, and then I slid over to the director's chair. So that th those are the positions that I held in the truck. And one of the one of the best ways that you guys can start to get into the business, if, if you really want to get into this business, is you can reach out to people uh, and, and find out what jobs might be available. Now, you're not going to produce or direct right away, but that should be your end goal if that's your goal, uh, to be in sports television. If that's what you want to do in live production, that should be your goal. And don't let anything, anything stand in your way. Man, the questions keep coming and I lost my train of thought. Ever done an announcer list game? No. I want to. I want to, but I haven't. Um, is it important to have knowledge about the sport you're covering? Of course. Super helpful. There's nothing, nothing better than knowledge. Uh, something that we also do during our camera meetings, I'll have headshot sheets brought out to all the cameramen. And something that I do for about a half an hour, again, each game day, is I'll study the headshots because I don't want to have to look at a headshot sheet during the game and think is that the guy and I'm super fortunate enough to have some of the best people around who know this, their sports and who know their people if you direct for a national broadcast like we do at Turner whether it's baseball or basketball we're all over the place different cities different games different teams so it's very important to know the players and what they look like and who they are and their numbers but when you do a, 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 a a regional team, let's say I directed the Los Angeles Angels for 10 years. I knew that team like the back of my hand. I could, I had no problem knowing anybody. The teams that came in, I'd have to study a little bit in the first game of, of a series. And then by game, by the end of game one, I, I knew pretty much of them all anyway. Um, the, so that is important to, to answer your question, Rhino, is yes, I think it's important to have a knowledge of the sports that you're doing. Um, I've done sports where, you know, kind of ancillary sports. Uh, I've done water polo, uh, boxing. Those guys, the, the water polo guys is impossible. You just got to hope, you know, you kind of know what's going on. And again, you're relying on your camera guys. But that was a fun one for me to do because it was different and it was kind of a neat sport. Um, boxing, I really enjoy. We At Turner, we had a boxing uh, package several years ago. I learned so much. From doing seven, what do we do? Six events. Six events. I had never done boxing before. I really was excited about the opportunity. And I called director friends of mine who had directed boxing and I just picked their brains. For, for I'm Dave Getz is a perfect example. Frank Belmonte, another example. I talked to them for hours. How do I do this? What do I do this? What am I looking for? What are your cameras? How do you do them? How do you number them? What do you? And they were so helpful. The community, the directing community, you talked about ego, right? Before we talked about ego. If you're not, you're welcome, Julian. Thank you. Um, 
You talk about ego, but if you don't know a sport, then you have to go outside of your comfort zone and you have to kind of put your ego aside and say, hey, I know Dave Getz has done this 100, 100 times. He's going to be better at this than me, but I want to learn from him. Frank Belmonte, same thing. How do, I want to learn from them. So you have to kind of put your ego aside. Um, my wife says she thinks I have no ego. Thank you. <laughs> um, but but that's kind of that's kind of that's kind of it. You have to have the desire to want to be the best, and I want to be the best. Am I the best? This is a subject, subjective business. I like to think I'm very good at what I do, and again, I guess that plays into your ego question. So I. I, can't, I don't have all the answers, so when I don't know something, I have to ask and find out. And one of the things at Turner, for me, is they want me to do all kinds of different stuff. They don't want me to just to direct the game. They know I can direct the game. But they want me to be involved in new technology, um, anything that I can create new technology, uh, learn and understand new technology. So I've been that has been a challenge for me coming here, but I think I've improved every year that I've been at Turner and I've been here five years now and I feel like I have a really good handle on what's coming and and what will work and what won't work. So I appreciate the fact that they let me do all this extra stuff aside from just directing the games. It's time consuming but it's a different part of what I do and it goes into what directors do. If a director doesn't understand if a director doesn't understand something, they have to figure out what it what it is, or how to do it, how to accomplish it. How many guys serve both the producers and the directors? I think most people serve the producer more than the director, and the only reason is the the director is focused on what's going on on the field of play, and is reliant on his field of vision, his or her field of vision, in his monitors. The tape uh, tape guys help the producer. They help cue up the replays. The associate director can help uh, the producer cue up replays or help get promos ready. There's really not a lot of help that can be provided to the director aside from, and this is a very important one, aside from the associate director saying, Pitcher's got the ball. Pitcher's about to pitch. Pitch coming. Ball's at half court. That's the thing. We don't want to miss something. And the associate director, as well as the technical director, can help. And I give my technical director a lot of freedom. If I, I tell him again every day, and again, this goes back to the rapport that you have with your technical director. If I'm going to miss a pitch, I just want you to take camera four. Just take it. I'm going to thank you. I'm not going to be upset. I'm going to thank you. Um, hopefully it doesn't happen. It's rare that it does, but it does. There's so many things going on, and I could be preoccupied with something going on over here when I really got to be focused on what's going on over there. That was pretty scary, sorry. Um, so there really is a lot of chatter in the truck, and you really have to decipher it all in your head and know what's most in your ears and know what's most important to you. Um, some more questions. Uh, why, what do you think the most important trait that someone trying to break into the business to have patience, patience. That's something I had to work on because I wanted to do everything right away. Now I know where my daughter gets it from, 
but I wanted to go. I wanted to do everything right away. I wanted to be the graphics guy. Then the next day, I wanted to be the AD. Then I wanted to be the ISO producer, and I wanted to do that in four days. It took 14 years, but patience. If you can be patient and learn, that's the most important thing to any career, whether it's in this business or any other business. Patience. Um, I know you guys are all are all looking for stuff to do when you finish school, but please enjoy, enjoy, enjoy your youth. Don't stress out about having to do something in X amount of time. Be patient and good things will happen. Actually, are there guys that do both your jobs, produce and direct? Yes, um, I, that's called combo. And that, it has, it's not as prevalent as it was in the past. Uh, I actually got a chance to do that uh, several times m- m- many years ago. Uh, and that's, it's pretty exciting. But you can't, be great at both. It's hard. It's very hard. Uh, I remember we were doing a game. I was producing and directing a game at Loyola Marymount in California. I don't remember who they were playing, but I remember they hit a buzzer beater from half court to, to win the game. And all I wanted to do was show the great stuff on the court, all the celebration, the mobbing, and all that kind of stuff. And I knew once I got done with that, I could queue up my replays and I can get them done in the right order. So... And I, just a tangent, that was the number one play, top 10 play on ESPN that, that night. So there's a feather. But it's really, it's really hard to do. It's challenging. And I don't think you can be great doing both at the same time. That's just my opinion. Um, so, yes, you can do it, but challenging for sure. Um, one other part of this business that we really haven't touched upon. Um, <laughs> Husney. One other piece of the business that we haven't touched upon, and I think this whole thing is about to change, but is traveling. If you're not into traveling and, and getting on planes, then I think it's going to be challenging for you to be part of this um, live remote productions. You have your family at home and you have your family on the road. And that's pretty much how we look at it at Turner. We are a family and we're all together. And that's something that really took me a while to understand. Um, it is a small family at Turner, and if you can have friends on the road, it makes your life so much easier and so much better. And when you can come home to your real family, your you know, your family family, it's, a, it's so much sweeter. It's like you have the best of both worlds. So traveling is important. I think that's going to change with all this stuff going on in the world today. Um, some networks have already started uh, doing Remy's. They call them Remy's remotes where they take the feeds. They have cameramen out at the arenas, but the producer and director may be in a studio or the announcers may be in a studio. I think this whole coronavirus thing is going to change the landscape of what we do. Uh, how? I think maybe with some of these Remy's. But again, if you want to be a director, it's the same principle. You have the monitors in front of you. You have the graphics in front of you. You're just not on site. So maybe travel isn't such a big deal anymore. I don't know. I think we're all going to find out in the next 6, 8, 12 months. But the old way, it was great. Traveling was fantastic in the beginning. I love going to new cities. I love seeing things. And I like. I don't mind being on an airplane. I don't mind it. But if, if that's something that's something that you might not enjoy, 
Maybe there's another way to do it. Maybe you can get a studio directing job doing studio shows. You could work with EJ. That would be cool. Um, that would be really neat too. Uh, but that's that's pretty much the last piece of the puzzle. And I really hope you guys... I know we're at, it's at 3 o'clock. Man, EJ told me the hour would fly, and it kind of did. So I really hope that you guys enjoyed this and you got something out of it. And... If, there's one last thing. There's a fantastic video. There's a fantastic video back in the 70s, uh, maybe early 80s. Harry Coyle, one of the greatest, one of the best directors in baseball history. was. They were doing a Sunday uh, NBC game of the week. They lost power in the truck. He had one camera, camera two, the high home camera that sees everything. If you all want that video link to see how Harry did it. It's a great watch. It's about 15 minutes. It's a great watch. Feel free to email me. My email address is, is very simple. Matt.lip, L-I-P-P, at turner.com. And I'll be happy to send you the link. It's really cool. I'm also happy if I can figure out a way to maybe condense one of those clips that I showed you and get it to you via email. I'm happy to share that with you. Uh, it's pretty interesting. Uh, it's it's a neat look. I don't know what else I could do, but the everything we do, the, the words, the, the phrases, everything is so different. And it's it, I, that's what drew me into this business was listening on that headset as I was running the commercials in Master Control. So if I can be of any help to anybody who is on here, please don't hesitate to reach out. Again, Matt, M-A-T-T dot L-I-P-P, -P, lip, at turner.com. And lastly, uh, I don't know if EJ ever made it. I think he did. But I just want to thank you, EJ, for having me uh, to be part of this. It just made me remember my beginnings. And I jotted some notes down. And I, it really just kind of puts it all into perspective for me to see how far that I've come. And I want to give back to people who want to do what we do. So EJ, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Guys, this was my first time ever live Twittering. I hope it went okay. And if anybody has any last questions, I'm taking them. Now, if you can count from 10 backwards, you can be an AD. Awesome. Hey, guys, thank you so much. I'm not sure how I'm supposed to just say goodbye, but thank you all. And again, please feel free to reach out if you need anything or have any questions. I'm happy to help. All right. Thank you all for your time. I hope it was helpful and have a great rest of the day. Stay safe, stay home, wash your hands. You've all heard it before. But again, thank you all very much. I appreciate your time. And I'm going to end this Twitter live in three, I think, two, one. Thank you all very much. Thank you for tuning into this episode of VJ's Game Plan. For more information on today's guest and breaking into the sports media industry, go to our website, www.ejsgameplan.com. Tune in every week to hear from more guests on their experience in the media industry. EJ's Game Plan is brought to you by Ernie Johnson Jr., the University of Georgia's new media institute and Grady Sports.